Hi there, it's Dallas Travers. Thanks so much for tuning in. You are indeed listening to Coaches on a Mission, the podcast for values-driven coaches who want a business you're really proud of. The episode you're about to listen to was recorded before we changed the name of the show to Coaches on a Mission. So you're gonna hear a reference to the Six Figure Coach podcast. Never fear, you're totally in the right place. These episodes were just way too good to remove from our archive. So I hope you enjoy and thanks again for tuning in. Hi, everybody. It's Dallas Travers. My guest today is Marisa Corcoran, who just might be the most clever person I know. Not only is Marisa a talented copywriter and teacher, but she also has this unique and very special approach to storytelling that simplifies the process while drawing out your natural voice and your creativity. So in this episode, Marisa coaches me through her story stripped-down process, and what she does is really help me be less of a stiff professor in my copy and more, well, me, I guess. If you want to discover what to say and how to say it so you can magnetically attract your dream clients, you need Marisa in your corner. In addition to writing the words that get landing pages converting at 60% or higher and crafting personality-filled emails, Marisa helps coaches and creatives craft their uncopyable message inside her nine-month mastermind, the Copy Confidence Society. So this week, Marisa will also host the Copy Chat. It's a free masterclass series that brings together 10 of the savviest copywriters, business coaches, and online strategists around. In fact, hit pause on the episode. Go and grab your free spot at the Copy Chat now. It's an extraordinary event. You can sign up this week at thecopychat.com. After you do that, come back to the show, grab a pen and a fresh pad of paper because Marisa is about to teach you how to tell better stories so that you can attract clients, make money, and even create a massive online movement. Welcome to the Six Figure Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Dallas Travers, and this is the show to listen to if you're a coach and you want the freedom, the confidence, and the impact that comes with a six-figure business. Each week, we'll discuss tangible strategies, simple systems, plus the juicy inner work to help you make more money and help more people. So thank you for being here. Let's dive in. Hi, Marisa. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Dallas. I'm so excited to be here because I'm I'm such a fan <laughs> of the podcast. So I, I'm always messaging you like, oh, I loved this episode. Here's why. So it's fun to now to now be here. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you. And I think the feeling is very mutual. I am such a fan because I think what you do really well, there's so many things that you do well in your expertise of copy, but what I know about you is that in a former life, you were an actor, right? Mm -hmm. And you have done such a genius job of taking so much of your acting training and applying it to storytelling in this different medium. And I think that's what makes you so unique and special in the copywriting world. And you've just, the way that you tell stories and really tap into the zeitgeist of culture and make things so, as a teacher, make things so simple for people to follow and apply on their own is just brilliant. 
brilliant. Well, so whatever, you. whatever money you paid on your acting training, <laughs> whatever, right, money I well to, <laughs> whatever money I paid to Harvard university <laughs> to be in the grad acting program is worth it for this. It really is actually, it really is. Whenever I'm, I'm teaching or I'm talking about copy, I realized it's, it's all the things I wanted to be as an actor, which was yeah. to, you know, be a leader and, and show people like best versions of themselves and tell really great stories. So I, I get to do all of it and bring all that stuff I learned from all my acting teachers. So yeah, it is, it is really cool. It's really fun to see. So is that something that you do consciously? Now I do now, but in the beginning, it just seemed to be the easiest way that I could understand it. So I was still acting and I was kind of, I remember being on set for this Thanksgiving. I was a mom in a Thanksgiving commercial. (laughs) Yes. My line was, this year, I want the best uh, turkey for my family and my wallet. And I like handed the turkey. Oh, that was like my line in the commercial. <laughs> and we wait, you wait around like all night just to say that line. So it was like at this overnight thing at this grocery store. And so I was, you know, there doing writing for a client at the time. Okay. And I remember the other girl that was in it with me was kind of waiting for her scene to happen. And so I was kind of explaining copy to her and I found myself explaining it Right. in our world as an actor. And it helped me understand as I was learning it. And so then when I started teaching it, it just seemed to be a way in that people hadn't heard before. And it just made it, it, it basically was my markers too, so that I could remember what was I teaching? What could I go back to? Yeah. yeah. And now it's con it's now it's, you know, consciously a part of it. It's kind of this, you know, actor's guide to copy and to storytelling and to yeah. your business really too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because they're actually not that different acting and uh, it's just another way to tell stories, copy, writing and acting. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So (laughs) at what point, I'm just, I promise we'll get to the coaching piece, but I'm just curious at what point, and maybe you're not even there yet, but did you decide that you like copywriting was really your path and you were able to let the acting go? Hmm. Yeah. I always say that Winnie the Pooh broke me. Uh (laughs) And that's because I was preparing for an audition for Winnie the Pooh Mm -hmm. to play rabbit in Winnie the Pooh. And I was really excited because it was at a really great theater and a lot of ways of getting into the theater was maybe, you know, doing a children's show and then being asked to do, to do more stuff. And I had a really great idea for rabbit. I was going to turn him into this kind of mix between like uh, Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny. Mm -hmm. And this Italian comic that a lot of people know that my family loves named Sebastian Menescalco. Yeah. Uh So I had this whole plan for rabbit (laughs) and I was so excited and I worked all weekend and I was just really thrilled. And, uh, it was the, for, to make a very long story short, the day I got a call the day of saying that there had been a mistake and that they no longer needed me to come in for the role. And I remember just standing in that kitchen with my husband and I had these little overalls on because I felt like that felt very rabbit to me to have overalls on. Mm -hmm. And I just started taking it off one by one, just like stripping down in our kitchen. I was just like, I am done with this. I was just at a place where I no longer wanted my future to be dictated by someone else and my worth and my value, which, you know, obviously was some deeper work I had to do as well that I placed that much on it. But I was just... I was just in that moment, we just say like Winnie the Pooh broke me. And I just recognized that this was not what I was meant to do. And then after I got over that, a few days later, I woke up and I said, oh crap, 
what am I going to do? What am I? What do I do now? (laughs) And I recognize that on the mornings when I did wake up to help people with copy or work with clients, Mm -hmm. those were my favorite days. Yeah. I found myself really energized. So for a while I said, okay, I'm just going to throw myself into this and see, you know, this is, I I was making money as a copywriter already. I mean, I already had full clients Mm -hmm. who knew me, you know, as an actor and would let me take off time if I needed. So I was very lucky that I still had a, you know, a job in that sense. Um, And then a few months went by from there and I went, oh, I was craving that. I I still wanted to be center stage. Like I still wanted to be on that other side of the, of the camera. And that's when I thought, okay, what if I could take everything that I learned as an actor and apply it to my own business and then help other people then, you know, do that with their copy. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I did. I went and I created, I created my own stage. I went and created the copy chat. Yeah. Um, I went from being a done for you copywriter to having my own program and teaching people. And, um, and just about, a from the moment that I decided to do that to when it happened was just a few months. And it was only about a year later when I think for my husband and I, our lives like completely changed. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I think many of us pursue what feels like our purpose, especially, you know, for our listeners, my, in my last life, I also, I was a business coach for actors and they yeah. all know that because we have a lot of, <laughs> well, I know that that's how, <laughs> that's how we know each other. Right? That's how, well, that's how I knew of you. Like when I heard you, you were, you're like, you were famous for when I did the copy chat, I always say people had no, my, my actor friends had no idea what the heck I was doing, except mm-hmm. that Dallas Travers was a guest on it. And they were like, how? <laughs> How did you get Dallas Travers? They didn't didn't know anything that I was doing except for you, except about you. That's so funny. But I think I'll I'll use acting as an example, but I think it applies in life. We choose a certain occupation because given our limited knowledge, it ticks the the boxes of the purpose we feel inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And as so, as an actor, right, you want to tell stories and impact people, and for some, like, get the accolades that come with that. And there are so many routes to tick the boxes on that list that we're just not aware of until we begin to pursue uh, pursue it professionally. So I know for me, I always wanted to be a teacher. And now this was recently, my, my daughter who's six was the one who reminded me that that's exactly what I am, right? The yeah. title different and I'm in my sweatpants today at a laptop. I guess a lot of teachers are. <laughs> a lot of teachers are in their sweatpants now too, but you're living the dream full out. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think as a kid, you know, growing up in theater, uh, that was kind of what you, for me and my mom, like that's where that was my place, right? If you were a kid that, you know, loved to sing and dance and tell stories and talked a lot and, you know, couldn't play a sport to save my life, you know, and was like singing stars from Les Mis at like six, you know, I, I was very blessed to that my mom and my grandparents like put me in theater and that was where I grew up. But it's so true because everything that I do now as being like a copy mentor, uh, is every, like I I said this before is everything that I thought acting was going to give me. I get to tell those stories. I get to talk all the time. I get to be the leader of a community. There's that applause element. Mm -hmm. It's all still, um, it's all still present. Yeah. It's as performative. Like you can perform whenever you want. You don't have to wait to be called. That's the big difference. Yes. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. And it's not dictated. You can, it's, you get to do it in whatever way you want to, and whatever way feels, um, good, good to you. And, um, we've give you know, the copy chat, you know, we give back, I mean, in 2020, we raised over $30,000 for charity 
Mm-hmm. And I remember as an actor, I was like, oh, I just want to be able to get to that place where I could like give back and, you know, like have a foundation or do all those things. And it's so cool to see that happening inside of my business. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's super inspiring. Yeah. So for all of our listeners, I don't know if you noticed, but Marisa is a master storyteller. Just even in our conversation so far, you've told <laughs> two very engaging and compelling stories, which is why I have invited you here today because I need your help. So I would love to just get some coaching from you around something that I think I get a C plus in and I think I have with the right framework, I could get an A plus in. And that is Mm. the content that I put out where I'm very comfortable is I call it being Professor Dallas, right? Mm. I'm really great at breaking how-to processes down and, and making it entertaining and light, but it's different than what you are able to do when you tell stories in your copy. So my big question that I want help with is how can I first tell better stories Mm -hmm. and tell more stories in the content that I'm putting out in the world? Ooh. Okay. Well, I'm really, really excited about this because this is a question I get all the time. Mm -hmm. And in fact, what I'm going to show you uh, came out of what I realized about myself as you saying, oh, you just told these two great stories. So I recognize that storytelling is just something I do naturally all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I first was working with my, my clients, my students is kind of the message that you hear online, all tell more stories. So at first we had really great ways to, to find those stories. What I call like, um, this is, this is from acting. So, uh, we call it like slice of life moments. So very often um, in grad school, when I was assigned a character to do for a scene, I would have to come in and like show that character in a moment in their life that had nothing to do with the scene. So it was like a slice of life moment. Let's say I was like Maggie and Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. I'd have to show Maggie maybe in in the grocery store or Maggie brushing her hair. So these slice of life moments, I could help people kind of pull out for themselves, but then it was like, okay, well, how do I actually do it? And so I created this system called the story strip down, which is actually reverse engineering it, which I think can be really helpful, um, in actually doing this thing that people talk about, which is tell better, you know, tell more and slash better stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think where I can struggle, Marisa is, so here's a great story that happened and boy, this would make a great post. And how do I actually connect it to the work that I'm doing with coaches? That's where things can feel tortured. Yep. Or I can just go to the place of, I have no, I have zero ideas. Let me give you a how-to list. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is very, this, this happens all the time. And there are some things even outside of the story stripped down that we can think about. I call it kind of like that non-awkward transition. So even if you are just telling a story about, you know, whatever it is, but you know that, you know, it can connect to what you're about, you know, in your business, Mm -hmm. there's some like just sentences you can use that are things like saying, why am I telling you this? Right. Like, why did I just tell you this story? Because, and then you could just go into it in some way. Um, uh, another one that I use a lot is if that story connects them, you can say, well, when that happened to me, it made me think of you. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if let's say that moment, that little story you told us like something you were celebrating, but you also want to maybe celebrate something in your business and you want to connect the two, you can be like, you know, I felt awesome when that happened and it's going to be even better when 
this happens. Right. So what I'm getting from that is their first takeaway, everybody. You don't have to be smooth. Transitions don't have to be smooth. The secret is to just narrate the transition. And I talk about this a lot when I teach people about sales calls. When you just narrate the process as it's happening, your potential client feels so held and cared for. And that's exactly what you did there. It's like, there doesn't have to be a smooth transition here. Just tell me you're transitioning and that's all I need to know. Yeah. 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 Cause I go through that too. Sometimes I know I'm like, I know I can get these two things to go together, but let me just, so I use the, why am I telling you this all Mm -hmm. the time? Like if you read any of my emails, it's constantly like, (laughs) why am I I telling you this story about my, my grandpa? Or why am I telling you this story about, you know, my, you know, my mom at target or whatever. And then I just go into what the, all the time. Yeah. I do it all the time. And then I say, okay, here's the teach. And then boom, there's the teachable moment, but you've connected people because storytelling is our oldest form of communication. Yep. And we learn through stories Mm -hmm. and we tend to pay attention and have our ears perked up when we create that kind of imagery for people and Mm -hmm. stories help us see what the person sees, hear what the person hears. And it just keeps us engaged. So then when you get to that, how to part, whatever the steps are, you've already hooked the person in. Yep. They're along for the ride. Totally. Okay. I got to know the story stripped down. Will you walk me through? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let me just give you the outline and then we'll go through it with you for you with something specific, right? Okay. This is so cool. Okay. This is so fun. I love the, the, I love this podcast. Okay. So, okay. So the story stripped down, I'll give you the framework for it. So first you want to think about, so again, we're reverse engineering this where most of the time it's like, tell a story and then connect it. We're going to start from the end, which is what is that teachable moment or takeaway or how to, or teaching, uh, or lesson that you want your audience to learn or to get from this particular email or post, because this can work for both. Mm-hmm. So what is the teachable moment? That's number one. Okay. And then num- number two is, can you identify the struggle behind it for your ideal client to get to that teachable moment? Like what's their struggle in getting to that lesson? And then number three is, can you call out an emotion behind that? Is there fear? Is there overwhelm, worry, imposter syndrome? Like what's that core emotion that might be underneath it? And then the fourth part of this is where you kind of have to take off. I say like your marketing hat and you got to put on like your creative hat and give yourself some time to think about, okay, do I have an example of where that core emotion shows up in my own life and can be totally separate from your business? Can be your life anywhere in your life, or it might be in your business. We'll, we'll see what comes up. And, or someone, you know, I Uh use an example a lot where actually the story came to me and it reminded me of something my mother-in-law had told me. So the story became about my mother-in-law. Um, and then the fifth is breaking that personal connection down into the story. And that becomes the story. Got it. So So that's the framework. What I'm already learning from this is you are connecting the story you tell with the emotional experience of your audience rather than the literal physical experience. So I think where I can go is, you know, my audience, they really struggle to just put themselves out there, right? Mm -hmm. There's a whole host of reasons, but they're inconsistent with their marketing and we'll, we'll get into it, but out of fear of rejection and these other pieces. And I don't struggle with that part, right? Right. Of 
consistency. So how can I tell a story about something I have no relationship to? But what I heard you say was I have a connection to the emotion they experience and that emotion becomes the bridge of the story rather than the circumstance. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere in your life, I'm sure you've experienced that feeling of rejection or that feeling of not being consistent. It may have nothing to do. That's nothing to do for your business because that's your zone of genius. That's what you teach. That's what you're so great at. But somewhere else in Dallas's life that comes up and that could be a story that you share that connects back to that. Why am I telling you this? Yep. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 This is cool. Okay. So what's a teachable moment or takeaway example that, you know, you would want your audience to learn or, or get from a specific email or post from you? Yeah. I mean, there would be so many different ways to say this, but what's coming forward to for me now is taking the risk or taking action is way less painful than not taking action. Mm-hmm. So yep. it's a, like you can be flawed and still move forward. Okay. So you can be flawed and still move forward. You can yep. take the action, right? It's easier, you know, it's less painful to actually take the action than to stay stuck or stay stagnant. Right. Okay. So what is the struggle behind that for people, what stops them from taking that action? It can be a host of things. I think the big one is fear of rejection or fear of like literally being laughed off the stage. So I'll be a little bit more concrete. One of the things yeah. we teach inside the Six Figure Coach Club is for list building is lead magnet cross promotion. It's such an easy way to tap mm-hmm. into the right audience and build your list. And a lot of our coaches, they mentally they're behind it right? And from the time they step into that part of the training until they actually execute is way longer than it needs to be because they're just afraid of what's the other person going to say? What are they going to think about me? And all of those um, gremlins come forward. And ultimately, I think it's about being rejected or looking a fool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can so relate. Okay, great. So you have the feeling, you know, what I heard you say was, you know, the rejection, like the gremlins pop up. There's this fear. There's this fear of what I'm hearing, which is number three, is that that emotion behind it, that fear of kind of being laughed off the stage. Yeah. Is that right? That's it. Okay. So now we say, do you, Dallas, in your life, if you can just, you know, put your Uh, I always say it's like, you know, in Harry Potter, when they go to like the pensive and take like the memory, they take like the little strand of hair, the memory of someone, they pop it in the bowl and that memory comes alive. Mm -hmm. If you could take like the memory of, you know, the fear of being laughed off of a stage in some way, and we took that little strand from Dallas's hair, we popped it in the bowl. What, what could be an example or a memory of that for you in your life? Yeah. I'm, I, just might even get emotional about this because it is so, um, I just feel it. Um, A time I was literally laughed off the stage when Mm -hmm. I was five years old. I would loved little orphan Annie. I'm crying about this. Oh my God, I'm going to (laughs) cry. Yeah. I loved little orphan Annie so much so that that year in kindergarten, I would not answer to the name Dallas. I would only answer to Annie. I had two outfits. One was the red dress. My mom was an excellent seamstress, and I had the red dress with the white collar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, I had this cream-colored turtleneck and these black high-waisted jeans and a red wool blazer with Annie, em- like, embroidered on the lapel. It was really hot. 
Um, and those were the only two outfits I would wear. I was just really Annie. Anyhow, that summer I went to a family reunion and in a child's memory, there were 8,000 people there. There were probably like 40. Yeah. <laughs> but it felt like this sea of people. And it was the talent show on the second to last night. And I was in my Annie gear, standing up. <laughs> just really, um, I, have, I have a daughter who's the age I was. And I just feel for, I can so connect to that. Yeah. But so I'm singing, the sun will come out tomorrow. And, and the crowd starts laughing hard. And what I, and I thought they were literally laughing me off the stage. Um, what I didn't know was there was like a two year old or an 18 month old baby in a diaper in the crowd who started singing along with me, but she was singing, you are my sunshine. And it was probably really adorable. <laughs> so people were laughing at how cute this was, but I didn't know that was happening. I just thought um, that I was getting laughed off the stage. Yeah. Um, and I actually started singing lessons last year to just kind of process through all of this. Yeah. Uh, and it's just been incredible and really rewarding. But from that experience, what I took away was... It's never safe to fully share yourself um, because you could get laughed at. So that's my story. <laughs> mm. I know. It's so sweet, that little girl. Yes, especially now you being a mom, right? And your daughter yeah. being that, that age, right? Yeah. yeah. But you now know, or you tell me, you know, do you now feel differently, you know, about that moment or now that since that you've started the singing lessons or feeling like now that, you know, you know, actually it wasn't, a, even though it felt like it was about me in that moment, it was actually about yeah. that, that, that baby. Yeah. And do you feel, you know, for yourself now that you're taking the singing lessons, like what has come, what has come from that? Great. So like, what is the transformation of the story? Yeah. 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 With through the singing, I mean, it's, uh, I'm, I, I don't even want to say this, but I'm going to because now I'm going to have to do it. But there's a recital happening in April and I have signed oh, up cool. for the recital. Um, but it's only been, honestly, the last several weeks that I've been able to sing without breaking down crying. And mm. I'm 44 years old. Yeah. Um, singing in the shower, in the car, like I get into the second bar and I will cry. So... What I've been experiencing is the thing I was terrified to do because it was painful, yeah. right? And I just didn't want to feel shitty. The thing I was terrified to do was the entryway into growing and into like loving myself and healing, yep. healing these things that yep. um, I had just been ignoring. So it's mm. been awesome. Really ding, awesome. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. That's a really beautiful, uh, transformation and transition. And I also love because it's a journey that you are continuing to be on. Yeah. Very often. Oh, did you want to add something, something to else that? to the story? So there's that piece, but there's also the other piece of I'm not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, so to hear, and I have a good ear, right? So I know what good singing sounds like. Mm -hmm. So I'll, my voice teacher is Annie Little. 
And I'll link to her site in the show notes because she's incredible. Um, but to hear myself and to hear that it's not that good. Yeah. Right. So to, to be so conscious as a grown up, like this is not going well. Right. And to keep doing it anyhow. Yeah. Um, has been probably the most valuable part. So how I said earlier, this, you can be flawed and still move forward or doing the thing is less painful than not doing it. That's really been my experience around the singing. Yeah. <laughs> my last lesson, there was this moment and Annie said, she's like, you sound like you're singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're getting there like, yeah. like moment to moment. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. step by step. I actually see this could be a story series, actually. Right. Okay. I could see you revealing this journey like over time to your uh-huh. to your audience. Mm-hmm. And each of it has a has a different takeaway. Yeah. To be honest. Like showing yourself as like, you know, Annie saying to you, it sounds like this, you know, singing is that moment where you know, uh, you feel like you're really bad at sales calls and then finally something starts to click for you. Right. You know, so I could see this having multiple different kinds of, of takeaways, Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it's that transformation into all that growth that it's given you now by, by doing it, by putting your, by continuing to put yourself out there and, and sing. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So then we would break down that, that, that Annie story. And again, I see this almost like as a series. Again, I feel like this is a multiple bells <laughs> and multiple posts. Cause there's so much goodness to it. It's like leaving, it's like leaving a little open loop at the yeah. end of one to hook people into the, you know, so find out if I ever sang again, you know, mm-hmm. and like hooking people in again and again. But for this particular moment, I would say, you know, breaking down that, that Annie story. And now you taking the voice lesson and like that moment for yourself, like that moment of transformation. Yeah. And then having that line that connects back to your, to your reader that says, you know, something, what is coming to me is, you know, I bet you felt this way. Right. Well, maybe not as a singer, if you are a singer, you know, hit reply and tell me if you are too, <laughs> but it's likely, you know, as, as, as a coach, mm-hmm. as putting yourself out there in your business, it's felt you know, scary, like you're going to be laughed off the stage, all that. And then you can go into that teachable moment or that takeaway that you want them to, to have. Mm -hmm. Got it. The most common and most dangerous question other coaches ask me is this, what more should I be doing? This question, it keeps you stuck scrambling every month to find more clients, throwing a launch together at the very last minute, or just trying to put together some semblance of a business strategy from all the free stuff you can find online. So instead of asking, what more should I be doing? The real question here is, how can I do less? Or where can I go deeper? These are the questions we'll tackle inside a brand new class for coaches called the Coach Class. So if you're tired of winging it, second guessing yourself at every turn, or working way too hard to keep your business running, the Coach Class could just change your life. Go to watchthecoachclass.com right now to grab your free spot inside this special webinar. You know, there is an easier path to six figures and the Coach Class will show it to you. Registration is open this week. So again, the URL is watchthecoachclass.com. I will see you over there. So I want to just, let's summarize where we've come. 
mm-hmm. for our listeners. So the first thing you asked me to do was think about the lesson I'd like to impart. Yep. Um, and then identifying the struggle my client faces around it. Yep. What is the emotion? So for me, it was like they're being inconsistent, right? Which means yep. like, which means their list isn't growing as fast as they want it to. They feel like they feel invisible, all of those pieces. The struggle is they they know they're getting in their own way and they can't get out of it. Yep. The, so then when you took me to emotion – and the emotion, what's underneath the struggle is what you asked. And that's this fear of rejection. Ask myself, when have I felt that emotion? And that's what takes, takes me to the story that I can tell. Yes. Got yes. Okay. And then we bring it back to that teachable moment. Mm-hmm. And then to break down the actual story, which by the way, you did, which is something I always say to to. to clients and students is that once we tap into what the story is, the story kind of flows out of you. And I recommend for people that as you share the story, kind of the first time as you're writing it for some of us, we're verbal processors. So actually recording yourself as you tell the story out loud, whether it's to yourself or to, you know, a a business bestie, your spouse, whatever it is. Uh, for some people, I, I will write it out. You know, I will write the entire thing out as messy as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody kind of has a different way. They're going to get that kind of the blob out, the draft out. And then we can start to carve it into what the actual, like how we can make sure that m- the different moments pop. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I take this from uh, a- another acting thing. So one of my favorite Broadway performers, her name is Cynthia Revo, And I saw her in the revival of color of the color purple. And it's not at the end of the show, this song, but at the end of this, her singing this song, the entire audience stood up. There was a standing ovation in the middle of the show because that's how incredible she is and incredible this experience was. And it's directed, this version was directed by Bartlett Cher and he's no, it's like known for minimalist set. Like I'm talking two chairs and a piece of wood and <laughs> that's it. So she's singing uh, her, the song and you, it was insane because she's just standing there alone on the stage, but it's like, you saw what she saw. You could like hear what she was hearing. It was like the stuff just started magically appearing as she was doing it. And it was so, uh, it, I just felt myself so wrapped up in it. And I recognize that we can do this same thing. So I could see, like, I saw what she saw. Mm-hmm. I could hear what she was hearing and I felt so involved in this, in this, in this uh, song. And I know everyone else did. And it reminded me of, um, when I first moved to New York, the very first book I read was Uta Hagen's respect for acting. Uh-huh. And she basically talks, talks about like how you prepare these like sense memories for yourself. And so the first exercise she gave that I always remembered was like standing at the edge of like the subway platform and looking down to see left or right from where the subway was coming from and doing that a few times of like, so that you could recreate it if you had to, like in a moment alone. So it was like looking down to see, okay, when is the subway coming? You usually walk back and forth a little bit. Maybe your headphones are in, then you walk back to the platform. Like, okay, where is the end train? When is it coming? You know? So I could tell that in like, in some way, Cynthia was having her own sense memory exercise up there. Mm-hmm. So when we translate that to stories that you're, you know, you're writing in an email or a social post, and again, even if you describe it in a, in, let's say in a podcast or 
uh, in a, your, your teaching in a Facebook live, it's the same. You want to ask yourself, what did I hear? Mm -hmm. What did I smell? What did I see? How did I feel? So you described Dallas and you can walk us through again, that the day of the, of the, of the little orphan Annie performance, Mm -hmm. you know, you were, you described kind of like what you were wearing, right? So you remember like, what, what did you, we'll just walk back through it again. Like, what did you see? What do you remember seeing about yourself or around you that day? Uh, I remember seeing a sea of sweaty grownups. Okay. It was in Montana yep. and it was super hot. Yeah. So okay. a sea of sweaty grownups. Yep. And n- not a single one of them was a recognizable face, which wasn't true. They were all my relatives. Right. Right. But okay. I was like nervous enough. Yeah. Right. That I just a sea and bald heads and sweat. <laughs> yep. So it could, okay. Well, I'm just writing this down. So, the, okay. Standing in a sea of sweaty grownups. Yep. What an image. Okay. Do you remember what you heard? Well, like what were the sounds? Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. But also, you know, people, everyone's in a folded metal chair. So just those natural squeaks and scrapes when a metal chair gets shifted on a concrete floor. It was very hodgepodgey. This was not a high production value. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So the squeak of yep. those, those folding chairs. Yep. Um, and the laughter starting, it's like the middle left. I can see those, see them. The middle left side of the crowd, it's starting with a couple of like muffled chuckles mm-hmm. and then it just growing yep. to be like the hat, like the whole right side of the room. Yeah. So this middle left, like chuckle grows to this roaring laughter. Laughter. Mm-hmm. And of course, they scoop this adorable little two-year-old up and bring her to the front of the room and scooch me off so that she can sing. Mm. So it's almost like this email or the social post could even start off with you, you know, there I am in a sea of sweaty grownups, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the folding chairs, you know, squeak, yeah. right? Every time um, I hit a different note or something like that. Right. And as I'm, and I would kind of present, you know, as I'm singing the, the sun will go, you know, come out tomorrow, the middle left of the room, there's a slow chuckle that begins to a roaring laugh. Yes. So a lot of, so that right there could be your opening, right? Mm -hmm. The, what did I see? What did I, what did I, um, hear, right. That can be the opening. And then you can always bring people back. You can say, uh, let this was me. And then you can tell them this was me blank years ago. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Or like, you know, and so I think this is what people don't, uh, understand. So we always talk about in, in acting, we say, okay. Uh, my teacher, Scott used to talk about if somebody left the room and they came back into the room from the, you know, they went to get popcorn and you had to tell them what was going on. You want to drop them right into the middle of the current scene. Mm-hmm. You're not going to spend time going back. Cause we don't have time. People are going to be shushing you. You got to be quiet. So you got to tell them the core of what's happening. Yes. A lot of times in the copywriting world, we call this like the battleground moment. Mm-hmm. So it's like you drop them right into that center of the moment by describing the scene to yep. them. And then you can always say, let's go back for a second. This was little Dallas. Yep. I used to be obsessed with orphan Annie. And now you can give them the background. Yep. But you've yep. hooked them with that beginning part of the story. Does that yeah. make sense? 
Totally. Where I, the natural place for me to go might be, let me tell this story in chronological order. Mm-hmm. We want to hook them in with the, with the sensory of the moment. And then I can fill in the gaps. Yes. Got so it. the first time you do it, the first draft, you'll likely do it in chronological yeah. order. And then you're going to go back and you're going to carve mm-hmm. out of what we kind of just said. Mm-hmm. So then you can start it and say, okay, let me go back for a second. This, I used to be obsessed with little orphan Annie. I had the, and you could describe what you're talking about. I had the, I think you said it was a shirt that, that no, said Annie. A blazer. A blazer. A wool, a red wool blazer. It was so sharp. Yeah. So <laughs> describing, then you can go back and you can yeah. describe it. And say, so, you know, back to the day of the sweaty grownups and you can tell them I sang and I, I was laughed or what I perceived as being laughed off the stage. I swore I would never, you know, sing again. Mm-hmm. And fast forward, I recently began, and you can tell a little bit of that time of you with the, uh, taking the current voice lessons. Yeah. Yep. And you can share just a little bit of, again, because I really believe that this could be a story series. There could be like multiple things in this, but you could share one of those transformations you've had or a realization that you've had. So it could either be the realization that they weren't actually laughing at you. They were laughing at that little baby. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people feel like we have to tell the entire story or we're not, or we're like, uh, what's the word? Or we're like not uh, being we're not giving the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And I think that this can throw people off. So again, in your first draft, feel free to tell the whole picture, but right. then we really want to narrow it down to like, what's the take, what's going to help us get to that takeaway for our audience. Yes. Got it. Yeah. So you could share, you know, actually they weren't laughing at me. It was about this little baby who like, you know, stole my thunder, but they mm-hmm. weren't laughing at me. And then the transition could be, you know, maybe you feel this way when it comes to, you know, blank in your business. Yep. Or you could, you know, tell a little bit of that moment of working with Annie Mm -hmm. and talk about the little bit of that, you know, new confidence that you found and the fact that you've stayed on this journey to keep, keep going and then say again, maybe you felt this way. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a whole nother story just in that one singing lesson where I could hear how bad I sounded and I kept singing anyhow. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that in and of itself is a story. Yeah. And that's usually what this is. I'm so glad you brought this up because a lot of times what will trip people up is feeling like they'll say to me, well, I don't have a lot of stuff to write about. And just in this moment, I'm telling you, like we keep saying, this could be a series. Mm -hmm. This is like three different stories, even of the Dallas singing journey. Yeah. That could each have very specific takeaways back to your audience. Yep. I see that really clearly. Yeah. So, so just t- for our listeners, what I'm taking away so far from this conversation, so much, but from this conversation is like there's power and specificity, spelling out the, the senses, the details of an experience is what brings the story to life. Yes. And avoiding the, ur- resisting the urge to fill in every single detail because that's what, where the essence then gets lost. Yes, because you, right. you ultimately want to bring it back to your ideal to the audience and why this moment matters for them. Mm-hmm. And what tends to happen is people will, uh, because in my program, we have editing part of the program. So you get to submit what you're working on. And we actually, we ask you to give us like a, a week turnaround because we actually go in and edit stuff. And, uh, one of the things that we always notice me and my two editors, Brenna and Tracy, is that very often people are trying to cram multiple teachable moments or multiple takeaways or multiple stories into one thing. And then we show them, actually, look, 
this is a month's worth of content. Content, hallelujah. <laughs> people are like, oh my gosh, thank you. And I'm like, this is yeah. a month's worth of content. You can always go back. Once you get people, I'm telling you, Dallas, people would be obsessed with this like singing series. So you could <laughs> hark back to it. You could, you know, you can link back to the last post you had. You could say, remember when I've been talking to you about my singing journey, you know, like you get yeah. people involved in this, um, in these themes Yes, for people. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Yes. The story stripped down. It's such an, e an easy process to, I just feel very creative right now. Having you talk me through this mm. where a lot of times when I sit down to write, I can feel more clinical, right? I tap into yes. that part of my brain instead of just the creative expression part of my brain. So this process is super helpful. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad. I, I love, I love talking about it. Because yeah. I, you know what? I use it all the time because <laughs> I have so many ideas running through my head. Mm -hmm. I sit down and I'm like, I got to get this out. I got to get this out. And I'm like, okay, Marisa, why don't you walk yourself through the, the story, <laughs> the story stripped down. Yes. Yes. I use it, uh, a lot, a lot. And I use it in, I use it in ways that we discussed today. I'm so glad that you've shared a, a vulnerable story like that, because I think it can be used and it can be used in those moments. It can be used in humorous, uh, like lighter moments. It can be used in so many ways. Yeah. I yeah. really hear that. This is so helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Before I let you go, I know I mentioned it in the intro, but I am such a fan of the copy chat and I'm so grateful. Thank you for inviting me back this year. Can yeah. you let all of our listeners know how to access the copy chat and what's in store for them when they do? Yes. Uh, so the copy chat is, we're coming up on our fifth season yeah. mm -hmm. of the copy chat summit, which is really, really exciting. And we talk about how to create copy that attracts clients, makes money and creates a massive movement online in every interview. It is uh, similar to what we did today. Actually, it is my goal that you will walk away with a doable tip that you can implement into your copy or writing. So this season we're talking about how to collect and write better testimonials Mm -hmm. uh, really specific sections on your sales page, mm -hmm. um, how to be a better podcast guest, like really crafting kind of your signature story. You dive in and tell us about how to create a lead magnet that, and the right calls to action so that people will actually use your lead magnet and then take that next step. Uh, so we have a lot of really great interviews this season and, uh, you can sign up for free at the copychat.com. Great. And we will begin, uh, it'll be for a week in February, February 15th through the 19th. Perfect. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. It's a really great lineup. And you do such a good job of every interview, Marisa, that you host is so, it's really juicy listening, but there are tangible takeaways. And that's what I love so much about the copy chat is I learn something every time I sit down to listen. Yeah, I really, it really is my goal that I feel I want people to be able that they could walk away and really use this to, we've had people come back and say, I, I, I booked a client using this. It's actually, if you go to the copy chat page, peep the testimonials. Okay. It's on there <laughs> of people saying about, you know, just, it, 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 it gave me more confidence to put out more posts and somebody, you know, DM'd me and asked me, you know, it, it, how they could work with me. So I wanted to give people that, that space that they could really show up and get value from listening to the series and bringing together just rock stars and having 
really fun conversations. Yeah. You, you've done a great job. So that's thecoffeechat.com. Yep. I'll link in the show notes as well. Yep. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to know you, but I'm so grateful you came on the show today because you've simplified a process that I know for me, but so many of our listeners uh, struggle with. And you the invitation I'm accepting today is the invitation to like, let myself be creative and let the process be fun. So thank you for the story stripped down. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. All right, everybody have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Thanks again for tuning in to the Six Figure Coach Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review the show. That's the best way you can show your support. I'd also love to connect on Instagram. So go ahead and take a screenshot of this episode or maybe a photo of yourself listening along to the podcast. Post it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to mention me. I'm at Dallas Travers and I'll send some Instagram love right back at you. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Until then, keep going on your six-figure journey.